You are listening to episode 194 of the Game Inflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Inflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and I am Boogerman in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. I just need to get that on a pure recording of just you saying, I am Boogerman, and I'll just... Put that on like a little thing for us as like, you know, like disc jockeys. Just yeah. I am Boogerman at random. I, I've never connected so hard nasally with a character. Yeah, I told Ryan before, since they're saying I am Boogerman, he should have just sneezed into a, a cloth and we would have been good. <laughs> exactly. We didn't think you could handle it. My my booger powers can shatter the ears of lesser mortals. <laughs> well, if uh, you didn't know what we're playing this week and you didn't listen last week, you should go listen to last week first. And then, now that you're back on the episode, you should know that we're playing Boogerman on the Sega Genesis. Uh, So, it's part of a group of pickups I had in the last few weeks. We talked about it last week. Uh, So, go back and listen. Uh, Regarding a Sega... Again. Again. So, Sega Genesis uh, episodes. If you didn't didn't go into that episode deep enough, you you should go back and hear what we talked about. Uh, But, yeah. So, Boogerman was part of that collection. And uh, I actually picked up two copies Hmm. during the multiple pickups which is interesting one for each nose one for that's exactly what it's i gotta keep both now um but yeah i had a lot of fun with it we'll talk about it in our inflation deflation segment at the end but first uh you can find this podcast on the podcast app you're listening to now you can also interact with us on social media at the game deflators on instagram and facebook and at game deflators on twitter you can also find us on our out-of-date website thegamedeflators.com and leave a five-star review we like those yeah but first recent pickups or but second recent pickups, because I have a first story. Uh, so I had a pretty interesting week. Uh, I Always an a, interesting week. You've been on fire lately. Yeah, I don't know why, dude. It's been crazy. So there's been a couple collections that passed up, too, just because from a value perspective, it just wasn't worth it to me. Like, if I wanted to make some money back off of it, um, you know, it didn't have enough. It's just enough. not worth buying a lot to resell the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. Like, if I wanted one or two games out of it, like, do I want to have to buy everything? And then it's usually like, oh, well, you know, you can have this game, but it's going to be like $30. I'm like, why am I going to buy it for 30 bucks? And it's worth 40 right? Like, I guess if I really wanted to play it that badly, I would buy that one individual game if that's what I was looking for. But I'm just kind of looking for... If only there was somebody else out there doing inflation deflations for games that you haven't bought yeah, it'd be kind of <laughs> nice, right? If Is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, I go in it from a, a quantity perspective sometimes. Like, when I want quality, I will spend my hard-earned money to look for quality games that I have been wanting for some time, right? But if I'm looking for quantity and just for us to be able to play things on a podcast... I don't I, think I, we need you to. No. I think we're set. <laughs> yeah, you're like, we got 40-something more Sega Genesis games to play now. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fun stuff, like, just to have more variety, because I do have a lot of RPGs in my collection, so when, like, we're looking at PS2, for example, our pickings are a little slimmer than, say, on the Sega Genesis, yeah. or the Super Nintendo, because I got more platformers and things on those consoles. So I do like to, you know, kind of find things for the podcast, find things for myself, obviously, and just give us a little more variety at times, and Boogerman was one that we didn't have under our arsenal of games to play, and now we do. Uh, so that said though, uh, with my pickups this week, I got Riddick on the Xbox. Uh, there's two versions. I don't remember which one it is. I don't want to open the bag while we're recording. Uh, Rock Band 3 on the Wii. I've got Undead Nightmare. So the uh, Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare thing. 
Um, that's actually a pretty cool one. So I actually have a copy of that, but it didn't have the manual. This one happened to have it. Oh. Duke Nukem Forever, Transformers Dark of the Moon, Fable, so the first one on the Xbox, because I didn't have it. Super Good Monkey game. Ball, Step and Roll, and then I got the Wii Classic Controller as well as a PlayStation Move wand. So all of that was like 40 bucks for all of it. Nice. Wasn't too bad. Uh, currently playing, I am still playing Elden Ring. Um, God, where am I at in that game? Uh, I went up to the snow level up top, uh, or snow area, and I went to some like abandoned castle and was having a tough time playing against the boss there. He summons like two, um, two mists, basically, two summons. And you have to go against those guys and him, right? And I'm like, man, I'm having a little trouble here. Like, I could beat the two guys and go pretty far against them. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to summon people. I don't want to worry about this. So I summoned in two people, one of which was apparently there's a build going around right now in Elden Ring where you carry two of the giant axes or two of the giant hammers and you, like, overload all your stats into, like, just one area. Oh, so is you can, it like, just the one-hit KO hammer It was guy? one of those people, yeah. Okay, now, I've seen that, uh, yeah, in, like, a Google feed or something. So they weren't fully, like, you know, loaded up, right? Like, they, it wasn't a one-hit KO, but, like, Pretty close. I, I go into the battle and I'm handling i'm not even looking at the life bar for the boss i'm just kind of keeping my eye on where he's at i'm handling the one enemy in front of me knock it out i notice the other one goes down and then i look down at the bar and it's got maybe like an eighth of a bar left and this guy's like with two hammers just wailing <laughs> just laughing so hard as it's going down and my wife is next to me she's like what's going on i'm like well the boss has been beat this other guy just pretty much soloed it and uh it was it was kind of disappointing because i'm like i wish the battle would have been a little bit longer but at the same time, there's just so much humor involved in that. I was like, okay, like I'm cool with this. Yeah. But I got the two. I think it's the Halligree. Um, I think it's Halligree or Hallig Tree uh, emblems. I got those two pieces, so now I can go to the next area where I think it's uh, Melania. I think is her name, mm, the hardest boss yeah. in like all of the Souls games, apparently. So I'm gonna go against her. Apparently, she wreaks havoc against spellcasters, but she's relatively decently hard for like melee characters. So. We'll see. I'm going to try and solo her, to be honest. I'm going to try soloing that boss and then see how far I can get. If it's one of those where it's like damn near impossible, then I'll start summoning people in because apparently... Do you have the Mimic tier yet? I do. Do uh, you use I, it? Yeah, I use it, but I also have the Black Tithe uh, Bandit or whatever it is, and that specific summon has like a crap ton of HP. It's basically a tank. It doesn't do a ton of damage, but it's just a tank uh, for taking damage for you. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm going to try and beat her um, on my own, see how that goes. If I cannot, uh, which I have heard it's so difficult to do even with three people, then I'll start summoning in three people. Maybe I'll come across the guy that uh, is the named Let man. Me. Yeah, the naked man called Let Me Solo Her. Yeah. I don't know how the hell he he does that, like naked. I have to watch the videos of Let Me Solo dude, Her. get good. I guess, dude. Like naked man with two daggers, whatever it is. That's got to be hilarious. I think they sent him a sword. Did they really? Yeah, I think FromSoft like sent him a sword for like getting his like three thousandth millennia killer. That's insane, like that. dude. Well, I another guess... Google feed thing that I saw. Who knows if it's true? I don't click on them. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's like those you know those legendary uh, stories out there, right? It's just like a fable to tell all of your children one day to let me solo her guy on Elden Ring. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I'm playing right now. We haven't started our next game, my wife and I. It's supposed to be. Let's see. We beat Kana re recently. Uh, she's playing some Assassin's Creed Valhalla. 
We haven't really picked up our newest game, but I think it's her choice, and I think we're going to be playing the new Yoshi game mm. on the Switch, the one that we played with Barry. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's where we're at with that. Nice. Yeah, what did you get? I got the play date finally. Dude, it's been like yeah. a year, two yeah. years. It's been, it's been a year since I ordered it, basically, and I can't tell you how awesome it is. It feels so great. Uh, it works so well. That's what she said. The design of it is so like, it's perfect. It's got like just so much style and aesthetic to it. The boot up screen, like you saw the little intro, like video thing. Yeah. Like the games so far are pretty good. Uh, it starts out with, uh, 24 games. So it's a 12 week schedule of two games a week. So week one was whitewater wipeout, which is a surfing game where you start off at the top of a wave, you use the crank to control the direction of the nose of the board, and you basically have to like surf up and down the wave, jump the wave, do 360s, get air, uh, keep ahead of the wave, and try to build up your score. And, and it never just ends, high. right? It just keeps going. No, there is an end. So oh, eventually is. the like wave like starts descending, and it gets like narrower and narrower the space you have until I think it eventually fades out. And I almost made it to the, like the end of the wave a couple times the like super high scores i think are in like the 20 million points or the Jeez. 2 million points or something and then my highest is like 33,000 right Jeez. now okay so it'll be um just one of those games that's something quick to flip out and just kind of go through uh the next game that launched was casual birder uh which is a little kind of RPG. It looks very much like Earthbound kind of. It's like stylistic, but in a real world. And you're going around and you just take out your camera phone and you've got to take pictures of birds. You use the crank to adjust the focus on your lens. Um, and there are like birds that are like moving around. So you have to like try to time it or try to track them. Um, it's cute. It's fun. The dialogue is a little, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little out there, but I really like the character designs in it. Uh, and then I went on to itch.io. They have a ton of games on there so far. I did pick up a joke that's worth 99 cents, which is incredible. And it's everything that the trailer made it out to be. And the trailer song basically just plays. You turn the game on and that plays. And then you start to play the game. And if you die, it just continues to play the trailer song. It's so, so ridiculous <laughs> and annoying. Yeah. I, I got to like... Line five or six, I think, yeah. on my try. I think I've gotten to like 10 lines in. So like, I I, I don't want to spoil it. All I know is that there's three guys in a bar and they talk to a fairy and they say something to the fairy and then that's it. It starts over with the joke that's worth 99 cents. Yeah, I know. I know about. So yeah, I know about the second guy. I'll say that much. Okay. I know a little bit about the second guy and that's as far as I've gotten, which is probably not very far at all. I might just Google it. Like, what is a joke that's worth 99 cents? It's going to be the worst joke that I've ever heard. And then I got uh, Sketch Solve Share, which is just a nanogram puzzle game because I like nanogram puzzles. I My first one I got was Picross for the Switch, and I played that for like a long time. Nice. Uh, so I'm having a ton of fun with that. I can't wait to see what games are coming out. I've already seen like the full list of games before. So, um, you know, we'll see. I haven't really looked and paid attention to the order that they're coming out in. Inspired by John a couple weeks ago, I did download the uh, One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, the One Piece Musou game that's on Game Pass right now, because I am 
in the thick of reading One Piece again. I am on Whole Cake Island. Uh, I have not been continuing with One Piece as of late because I've been obviously busy. It's a lot. Yeah, well, and my mom's in town, so I've been busy with, you know, hanging out and whatnot. Uh, but I will continue One Piece. I'm trying to remember where I was last time. Oh, I just got past um, the arc with, uh, what is it, Red beard something i forget his name but he's got he's the peg leg guy that's a chef oh uh don barate is that what his name is i don't know well, I that's they call him like something or barate's the floating uh restaurant yeah 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 with yeah. sanji yeah so yeah exactly so they just got sanji and then um don krieg is the bad guy there with yeah. the armor, the golden armor guy? Yeah, and then Zoro um, battled what's his name that took out all of his ships. Oh, and he has uh, like Mihawk. Yeah, and he's got like yeah. So uh, he just Cray. disappeared and said, "You need to get better and everything." But I look forward to the fight, blah blah. And he went off like that's where I stopped. Yeah, so, pretty good stopping point, I think, from where I was. They're about to start the next leg of that. Uh, so it, good of the whole thing. So. And then I didn't pick it up, but honestly, dude, I've been I've been talking for a couple of weeks about picking up a Quest 2. And they're going to go up $100 on August 1st. Isn't that bizarre? What is a Quest 2? The VR? The Oculus Quest 2 oh, or Oculus the Meta Quest, Quest 2. 2? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to jump up $100. You know, by the time you guys are listening, it'll already be too late. But I may go try to find one this weekend. I'm not sure. GameStop's already got it at $399. And then game and actually no, apparently GameStop has it for both three ninety nine and two ninety nine. There's like oh, two fifty six gigabyte. I yeah, see. it depends yeah. on the size. Yeah, yeah, I see that now. Um, interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting. I don't remember the last time that I heard about like a product that had been on the market for years. At this point, it feels like the Quest Two's been out, and they're gonna jump it up. Like that's so bizarre to me, but I guess that's what's happening. Yeah. I'm just going to wait for the VR too. And then uh, most of the game that I've been playing this week is Power Wash Simulator still. Oh my God, still? Oh my God. The things I have washed, John. I did a Ferris wheel. I did uh, like a drilling like machine that would like core drill you to the center of the earth. I did... um, I'm in the middle of doing a tunnel, like a subway platform right now. I did the Mars Rover. You know, while you're interested, uh, I need to power wash my uh, front, you know, sidewalk area. Oh, man. Uh, and clean so and power wash my I've got a power wash and a, you know, you can do like instead of the simulator, like actual power wash. And I'll let you do it for free. Dude, I'll let you get on Duo and do that. And then I'll do power wash simulator and it would be like co-op. Well, no, it seems, I mean, like, if they I do the, have co-op, I want the power wash simulator. So what I'll do is I'll hold a controller that's not connected to a wire and you can power wash my whole house and I'll just control it. It'll it be like control- your simulator. It'll be like a simulator. It'd be great. And you don't have to pay me anything for it. I mean, like, I know you paid for this game or at least you're paying for Xbox Live where, you know, you get this game and whatnot. So, yeah, just you don't have to pay me anything. I'll do it for free. You can power wash my house. It'll be great. Dude, it's so good. It's the best game, game of the year. <laughs> Over uh, Kena and, and Elden Ring? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. Um, let's see. That's pretty much what I've been doing this week. So that means it's time for John's new favorite segment, The Secret Game. Oh John, God. do you have a question for okay. The Secret Game? Let's see. So I've asked uh, if it was a Nintendo handheld console or Nintendo console, and you said... Um, 
Yes. Yes. On that. So, huh. Let me think. Is it on the Nintendo Switch? Yes. Okay. Which sucks because that could be both handheld or non-handheld. But if you would have said no, then I could have automatically assumed it was on one of your uh, on your like Game Boy or anything like that. To which point I would have just gone to your house randomly one of these days and then found like your your GBA and just like loaded it up. Um, and just chosen the right emulator. Well, I could have just gone through and yeah, you're right. That's a lot. Yeah, I don't know how many games are on there. Uh, yeah. So okay, it's on the Switch. I don't know what you have on a Switch, but I think I know what I'll be asking next week. Okay. Don't I get a choice to, or you get can an do option a guess. To, a guess as to what game it is, right? Yeah. But you have to say yes or no if I get it, yeah. right? Okay, it's on the Switch. Dark Souls. No. Okay. All right. All right, John, well, only Dark Souls Remastered is on the Switch. Oh, my God, you're killing me. You're, you're really going to go that level? <laughs> no. Okay. Like, that'd be pretty screwed up. Okay, why is it? Oh, because you're on there too, aren't you? You're putting yeah. in the guess. I was like, what is that black dot on my screen just floating around? All right, moving on. All right, so uh, this week we're going to be talking about a few interesting pieces of news that came out. Uh, the first one is Sony is reportedly interested in Square Enix Japan, but not their Western studios. Uh, so we'll dive into that in a moment. That is uh, Rebecca Smith at, what is that, PlayStation... Style. What lifestyle. Is PlayStation lifestyle. I gotta increase the size on this. Uh, next thing we'll talk about is, uh, and I'm doing this, Ryan, because I don't want to have to remember after each article to say who it is. So uh, Sony uh, starts testing 1440p support for the PS5. That's Tom Warren at The Verge. I only know that one as The Verge because, well, we Tom Warren seems to be the only person that covers games. Uh, next one is Elden Ring smashes into the top 10 selling best games in U.S. history. Uh that, though, has an update, which will be on the next uh, article here that we're going to talk about. But that one is uh, Catherine Lewis at Gaming Bible. And then Elden Ring, of course, being one of the top 10 best-selling games ever in the U.S., has been updated. And that is by, is it Logan Moore at comicbook.com is what yeah. I see here? Cool. So that's what we're going to cover today. Let's go with the first one. That being Sony reportedly interested in Square Enix Japan, but not the Western Studios. What? What? You're just, like, shaking your head and looking at me? How quickly you went through those, Ryan? Well, this is just, I don't know. I've been anticipating this forever. Like whenever anybody says like purchase or merger or anything like that, studio acquisition, this is the one you think of. This is the one that's always jumped to my mind. Like I don't understand why Sony wouldn't have tried to buy out Square Enix like forever ago. Well, so that's why it talks about when, you know, recently they sold their Montreal studio. Mm -hmm. They sold, I guess, several Western studios, uh, you know, specifically Square Enix doing this. And people are wondering, like, why the hell are they selling this off? Like, it makes zero sense for them to and sell And for this. cheap. And for cheap, yeah. And they're thinking, well, this might be part of um, being purchased by Sony. And if Sony doesn't want those Western studios, well, let's sell it, get money from it, and then Sony will purchase us. Make it look more slim of a purchase. Yeah. You don't have to worry about doing all this offloading of people after the merger. We'll take care of it right now. We'll give you exactly the IP that you really want. Which is Final Fantasy. Yeah, and plus, yeah. having that money in their coffers makes them, like, they've already got money. They just sold a bunch of stuff, so they're purchasing a company that has money. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little more appealing of a transaction. So I I like this move if Sony does it. I think if Sony takes Square Enix, uh, that is a huge game changer for the industry. Because what you're doing is 
I mean, no other Final Final Fantasy can't be anywhere else. It's well, only on Sony at that point or PC. So that's the thing. It's like it doesn't necessarily have to be that wall. Like that's true. I think that there's a. I, I looked online to double check. Final Fantasy 16 already not slated for anything but PlayStation 5. Same with the Final Fantasy 7 remake. Yeah, so that's already like and the Final Fantasy 7 remake 1 is still not even slated for anything else. So yeah. like I think that maybe they already kind of go started going in that direction, but on the other hand like Xbox specifically was like we're not going to take Call of Duty off the table. But Elder Scrolls, I think, is off yeah, the table. That's so, all that, uh, and Fallout, all yeah. that stuff, Starfield, this none of that's going to be the multiplayer. This would be the perfect, perfect move for Sony to be like, all right, cool. You want to take Elder Scrolls? Well, guess what? No more you Kingdom Hearts. You get Western RPGs. We will be the Eastern RPGs. Yeah. We're going to get Kingdom Hearts. We're going to get Final Fantasy. Good luck getting any of those moving forward. Although I do question Kingdom Hearts a little bit because Disney does have a huge stake in that. So similar to like MLB The Show, for example, how that's now on uh, Xbox properties. Um, I could see something like Kingdom Hearts continuing to go on there because, well, you know, the Disney machine being the biggest part of that. Um, but, dude, I, I like this move. I think that if they are to acquire Square Enix, Square Enix is not going to get acquired by Microsoft. No, they're not. It's a Japanese-based company, and they are not going to move forward with yeah, a sale no, that, to an American-based that, company. That would never happen. But no. I mean, I think that the biggest loss that could come from this is just the wealth of Square stuff that's been coming out on like the Switch, like all of these like 2.5D games and remakes, like Live Alive just came out, and um, Diofield Chronicle and stuff like that's going to be coming out, like. There's some games out there that people want to be able to play portably. Sony's not fighting in that market. And until they get some kind of like real backing behind cloud streaming on mobile devices with their system, then, and that's even a more narrow band. Like the Switch has such a big install. I just don't see them turning off that tap. But if they're going to turn off the tap to Microsoft, like, is that different? Like they're competing with Nintendo or them putting things on Nintendo to sell versus them competing with Microsoft or putting things on Microsoft to sell. Like, I feel like they're more apt to keep that relationship with Nintendo because it serves a whole nother market that they don't want to serve right now. Well, but they kind of do is we didn't put it on this article or on this uh, list of things we're talking about this week, but the new peripheral was just launched. I sent that to you the other day for mobile phones. Oh, the Backbone one, yeah. Yeah, Sony-specific peripheral. I think it's only for... uh, I think it's only Apple devices as of right now, but, you know, when you consider that they're releasing these peripherals specifically for phones, a lot of these games that are on the Switch could very easily be on the phone. And turn-based games are going to perform the best via cloud. Yeah. Because there you don't need like reaction timing and stuff like that. Like it's very casual and easy to play and you're not worried about like a, a little bit of an input delay. Yeah, so I mean could we see um, you know, a specific peripheral be the launching pad for games coming off of the switch and then being more on a mobile basis, or 
does Sony kind of look at this and say, well, they're performing pretty well in terms of sales on the Nintendo Switch. We don't want to go into that. We don't really care if those games aren't going to be on the PlayStation, or maybe they are going to be on PlayStation down the road, but we could still take some of that revenue coming from those sales. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I do think they'll cut off Microsoft unless they're able to work out a deal well, like, where games like Elder Scrolls and Fallout are allowed on PlayStation, and then in turn, Final Fantasy games could be allowed on Xbox. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it's also a whole different audience. Like, people on Switch are going to be more likely to play Bravely Default 3 than if you put out Bravely Default 3 as the first, you know, cutesy JRPG to be released on Sony, ideally for playing cloud on your phone. Like, that's such a different amount of people that would choose to buy and play that. Especially with the inability to go back probably and redo the other two. So, interesting stuff. There's a lot that comes from this. And, I mean, this is still just a rumor. Like, we don't have confirmation that this has happened. But, my God, if it does and when it does, what what will be next? Like, what's going to be the next biggest thing? Because this is, like, the biggest thing that I can imagine right now. Like, I think, I would think Ubisoft would be the next big one after that. God. Um, in terms of... You know, Who would IPs buy Ubisoft? I don't know. Stupid people. Netflix. <laughs> Microsoft. Uh, okay. So the next thing we have here is Sony starts testing 1440p support for the PS5. Uh, I like this. Um, you know, I think that this is a great move given that they recently have launched their, their monitors yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so this makes a ton of sense to then have the PS5 support that 1440p because you've got that, you know, the peripherals that they're selling for PC gamers, plus you've got the support that'll come from the PS5. So now it's like, great, I can play all of my, you know, PS5 games on this new monitor. I've got 1440p support, plus I've got PC games I want to play on there as well. So I think it's a great move for them. Um, I'm pretty excited about this. Actually, I got to check if my TV supports 1440p. I think it does. Uh, it is a, a few years old, but um, I'm pretty sure 1440p was around for a little bit uh, back then as well. Uh, this is supposed to, to work, or I guess really kind of help with a number of uh, different things. I think they said anti-aliasing was one of the things that it helps support on here. Um, it should help with frame rates, I believe. Uh, there's just a, a ton of good stuff that'll come from this. Um, one thing to note is that this is in beta testing right now, and your TV will have, like, you'll have the option to set your PlayStation and games to go into 1440p if it's compatible for you when this is launched down the road. But if your TV doesn't support it, it'll automatically go to the next best resolution, which would be the 4K, I believe, if you're using a 4K, of course. Yeah. And, and if then, you're not using a 4K for a PS5, I question everything. Yeah. They also talk about their implementing folders. Yeah. So now you can make folders of games. That's true. So the implementation, the way to have it set up is, uh, I think you have like up to 15 folders with 100, 100 games each. 100 games each, and it can actually split it up based on like, oh, these games are 1440p support. These are 4K. These are however many frames per second 4K. These, these are, are surround sound. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So it makes it a little easier you as you organize your games through. in all kinds of goofy ways. Yeah, exactly. So pretty interesting how that's going to work out. Um, I do question if you would, like, I think it works with the PlayStation library specifically. I don't know that it works with games that you've downloaded. I think those games are entered in the library. I've never really checked because they usually will delete games over time if I don't play them anymore. Um, but yeah, good news. Uh, so keep an eye out for that and hopefully your TV supports that or your monitor. Yeah, I don't know how many people do it, but like, I definitely, my Xbox is set up next to my desk. Like, I play 
my Xbox primarily on my monitor. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like a 1440p monitor or anything good, but, you know, if if there's other people out there that are sitting at their desk where they're playing games, like, hey, cool. I mean, my monitors are 1440p. Maybe I should throw it on here and see how it looks. There you go. Uh, all right. Next, Next up, thing. we got kind of like a double thing. Yeah. So we had one article that we were looking at earlier this week, and then an amendment came out, not on that article specifically, but another person who wrote an article earlier in the week updated theirs. So we'll cover kind of both. Yeah, we don't need to go into deep detail. We already kind of covered who wrote these. But um, yeah, so initially it was talking about how Elden Ring had smashed into the top 10 best selling US games. Um, in history and so which was pretty cool if you consider the game's been out for what five six months yeah uh so we were like holy crap like that's insane that it's been selling that well and it's still like at the top of the charts for a number of uh sales and um i guess the amendment came out that said it in fact wasn't on the top 10 it hadn't cracked yet because there's a number of things such as uh, games that had not been measured by NPD over the years past, That's, which is kind of weird when you think, that would be like, an asterisk in front of every report ever. Then, yeah, it's kind of like when you think about um, you know movie sales and are like, oh, domestic sales for X movie like Gone with the Wind due to inflation is still like the greatest selling movie yeah. of all time. It's like, yeah, but if you consider like how many people went to see that film and you broke it down, there are far more like significantly more theaters out there nowadays that. Movies like Avatar and Star Wars and all that would technically have been well, yeah, but like overall, like I, I think I like eighty percent of like people saw that movie. Where it's like nowadays to get eighty percent of people to go see one thing, well, like how it's about, impossible. I I propose you and I direct Gone with the Wind two. No, that would never work, John. <laughs> all right, go Gone on. with the Wind two, Electric Boogaloo. Oh my god! All right, go into your piece here. You you had some comments. Yeah, so um. I tried to do some back-end research here. In the initial article that we were looking at, they mentioned that Elden Ring sold 13.4 million copies in just over a month. But that would be worldwide sales. This is talking specifically NPD for North American top 10 sales. So I tried to do some research online because I couldn't find just like NPD, top 10 games of all time, what were their sales numbers, and then try to look up and compare. So I found a couple other sites out there. Um, there was a venture beat from Jeff Grubb in 2020 that had Call of Duty Black Ops 3 as number nine on its sales chart. And let's see here. That was around 11.8 million sales in October 2016. So, I mean, there's been lots of Call of Duties that have come out since then, so that game kind of has, like, a shelf life for how long it's really going to sell. Whereas Elden Ring is going to be, like, an evergreen game. Like, on that 2020 article list, like, Minecraft was underneath, but Minecraft has had, like, some big expansions in the last two years, like, People are always going to keep buying Minecraft in the future. It will eventually become probably more selling than any of the Call of Duties over time. Well, maybe even Tetris. Yeah. So, like, there's a good chance that Elden Ring, like, if it sold 13 million copies worldwide in its first month, 
and we're six months down the road, I mean, it only has to break like, you know, 12 million in the U.S. to probably get into that top 10. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be doable. Like the worldwide for that Call of Duty was 25 million. So Elden Ring was already half that in its first month. I, I would wager that this article was just written a little too early, but eventually will be fully accurate. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, I Elden Ring in general, though, I mean, just kind of talk back on that. Um, we don't even have DLC yet. Yeah, we don't have any DLC That'll yet. That'll blow it up huge, too. If they do a Game of the Year edition down the road, that'll help boost up sales for it as well. My thing, though, and I'll just do a quick little small review here in, in what I've played of Elden Ring... I like the gameplay of Elden Ring. I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm having a lot of fun interacting with people. I'm liking the boss battles. But the story, uh, dude, the story is just like, you got to talk to every single... Like, it's it's worse than Dark Souls, in my opinion, because Dark Souls is a little more linear. This is so widespread that you have to talk to everybody and anybody you see to get any sort of idea on the story and what's happening. And it's, just, it's not like... It doesn't pull me in from a story perspective right now i'm hoping that as i progress through some of the uh additional bosses that it kind of solidifies things a bit for me but as of right now that's the one thing that's been lackluster for me dude i'm just one of those people every time i've played like one of these games i have no idea what the story is i'm just running through slaying well that's why i like sekido so much because sekido had all of the difficulty that you could want, like it is, in my opinion, the perfect Souls game. It's got the difficulty that you anticipate. It has the boosts and such that you would get, like as your character, like different abilities and such you can do. Um, the gameplay's phenomenal. Visually, it's it's great. And then on top of that, the story is like perfect. The way it lines up, like you know everything that's going on. You know, from start to finish, the different characters you interact with. Like, it's a great game. It's just a lot more in your face. Yeah, and I like that. Versus I think Bloodborne's the best. Bloodborne is good. Um, but its setting is what makes it the best. Yeah, exactly. Story-wise, in a lot of these games, it's hard to kind of comprehend sometimes. And there are people out there that have, like, YouTube channels dedicated to lore on, like, Dark Souls. Like, that's how Oh, yeah, dude. Vati Vidya? Yeah. Vati Vidya's stuff is great. I actually just watched... This morning, he put out a video that's like 25 new secrets, and there was some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, it's crazy. So there's people that that's all they do is play Dark Souls, <laughs> you know, and that's why they're so good when it comes down to it. All right, diving into our Inflation Deflation a week, we play Boogerman, a pick-flick adventure. This is uh, developed by Interplay Productions, published by Interplay Productions, Designed by Christopher Trammell and Michael, is that Stratge? Stragey? Stragey? I don't know. Yeah, I it looked like strategy. Strategy, yeah, that's what I thought at first. Uh, November of 1994 is when it was released. It is a platformer with a reception of 7 out of 7 to 8 in general. Yeah. Um, so we played this on the Retron 5, where we play a lot of our retro games nowadays. Um the main reason being is it upscales the quality, it gets rid of a lot of the lines, and it just it, it it acts as a very clean look for the retro console games. You know what I don't like about it? Hmm. The control? Yeah. Well, we can put it's OEM. Not, well, it's not that the handle... Like, I like the feeling of the controller. The feeling of it is great. For me, I it's hate the that joystick. the buttons aren't labeled. The buttons not being labeled sucks. Like, it, um, it's got... A plus and a minus and four arrows, and it's like that's not what it is. There's like I'm pretty sure it's A B C and one two three or something, 
or is it ABC XYZ? I I think it's ABC XYZ, but who uh, knows? Yeah, who knows? But with the um, with that controller, the thing that bugs me the most with the standard like out of a box controller is the the joystick. It's so finicky. Like if you're pressing down, if you just hit it a little left, it's down left. I mean, it feels like a kid's toy too. Yeah. So, but you can use original con- original hardware or controls on there and. Um, it does feel good when you play with those, but you always have to have the other one plugged in because you have to control the main screen. So mm. that kind of sucks. Uh, and that also kind of scares me because if that breaks at any point, like there goes my retro console, right? Well, like you, you probably have, just buy a replacement controller. Maybe. I don't know. It just depends. Like maybe that and down the road, like maybe that's one of the things that's super expensive. Like the console itself is great, but you know, can you access the main menu and go to home screen and do all these other things without that? you know, original control. And I could see that being one of those things down the road where it's like, Oh, you want a replacement control? $200 for just control. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, you should look at buying a backup one now then just to keep it in box. Maybe, or just don't use that control as often. Just use original hardware and make sure that is used specifically just to access the screen and get the game started and mess with menu settings. That seems silly. Yeah, it does. But like at the same time, it would you rather have played that? It's for a convenience. Like if you, if something happened to the Retron, you just throw it in your regular Sega. Yeah. If you really want to play the game. Like I think the Retron's there as a convenience thing. Like not sure. as like something that needs to be necessarily babied because it's, like it's pretty cheaply made. Yeah, but I really do like the quality of games that come out of it. Like yeah. as you, you this know, game looked great. Yeah, it looked fantastic in the Retron. So if you don't have a Retron Five, definitely look at picking one up. They're still relatively cheap, like 150 bucks, I think, for a Retron Five, or maybe 200, and they're totally worth it. Just I mean, you can play GBA games on there, uh, NES, SNES. Um, Wait, GBA? Yeah, you can play GBA on it. It has a port for GBA? It has a port for GBA. My Dang. wife was playing a new or Spyro game on there. She got sick of playing in handheld mode and threw it into the, uh, into the Retron 5. Gosh. And then played it with, I think, uh, an SS, SNES controller or something. Wow. So um, Bizarre. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So overall, this game, I felt graphically it was great. I felt that it controlled really well. Um, I love... The interactions with this character so just the constant like i'm booger man every time he's talking or not every time he's talking about when you indicate that you want to mention that uh the booger meter at the top left where you can the fling, ui yeah flinging boogers uh yes the ui was a lot of fun like uh, they, your booger with. meter was like it had a nose and then a finger with like a big long booger yep. slime and it would get shorter every time you flung boogers mm-hmm. you had like a a belch meter on the right where he had like this big belch cloud. And as you used it, the cloud got smaller. Well, and then on top of that, there were certain things that you could pick up to launch fireballs for your burps. Instead, uh, every single time you kill an enemy, a fart noise happens, which was great. So this for me, was just like slapstick humor of a game. Um, along with the fact that it's a decent platformer. I mean, it looked like an FX cartoon. Actually it did. It looked like an FX cartoon. Like this would be on like right after life with Louie. Yeah, this was a lot of a lot of fun. I think the the overall gameplay, um, the enemies didn't seem too hard. There's a variety of different enemies um, throughout the game. Uh, we got through a few levels, and then we kind of put in one of the passcodes and got to one of the final levels to interact with that. And it all feels the same. You know, it feels pretty smooth uh, for a platformer. And you know, it's not like a, a Donkey Kong or a Mario, but it's you know a Sega platformer that's pretty fun overall. I did read a thing. Um comparing it kind of to like Aladdin. It did feel like saying that, that it's, it's kind that. of like, like a different, 
you know, styled version, almost like a different take on that game in a way. Yeah. And I have never, I don't think I've ever played the Genesis version of Aladdin. I played the SNES version. I forget which one it is, but I think the, is it the Genesis version? That's the superior version of Aladdin? One has like better music and one has like, I think, better Better level design. Yeah. Because I think one has like the carpet ride scene and the other one doesn't. I think it's the Genesis one. Yeah. Has like more to it. I don't know. I haven't, I mean, it's been a long time since I messed with Aladdin. Yeah. On console. Maybe I we like should that game a play lot. that one down the road. We should, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall with this game, you know, as I said, I, I felt pretty good about it. Um, I do think it is in that seven to eight range when you think platformers and, and put in the comparison against other titles that are out there. Uh, but, you know, it, it was... It was fun. And uh, price-wise, uh, if you look at Complete in Box, what is that, forty nine sixty four, Ryan? Yeah, so forty nine sixty four Complete in Box. That peaked at fifty five twenty three back in March of 2022. That's currently trending down a little bit. Uh, loose copy will run you twenty four ninety nine. That peaked at $34 back in June of 21. That's also trending down. Uh, the most expensive version money can buy is a complete inbox Super Nintendo version for two seventeen ninety seven. Why? And the cheapest version is that loose Sega Genesis version. Yeah, Dude, that that's insane. Like the clamshell's so much better than the cardboard box. I guess there's less cardboard boxes in the world. I guess. What Booger is a, man. What does a loose copy on the SNES go for? Oh, let me look it up. I wasn't prepared for you to ask me that. Why would you ask me that? Because why wouldn't I ask that? you that? I always ask you questions when you're not prepared, so that way uh, it, it Man makes up for, for all Super of the Super Nintendo loose seventy thirty three. Why? Because is it dude. better? Like, is there was there anything that indicated that it was a better version? I mean, that would that's the only thing I can think of is that it's a far superior version, and that's why you would play it. But it felt good on the Genesis. Are you looking it up right now? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Slightly better box art. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I have it on the Super Nintendo as well. I might not. Um, but that just seems abnormally high. Three times the price for potentially better graphics or better gameplay. And not by much. I mean, we've played a number of games that were released on both consoles. And oftentimes, the differences in like what the game can offer is not significant enough, I feel, to be three times the cost. So, well, it's coming up with results like 10 best Super Nintendo games bracket that are better on Sega Genesis. So maybe the Genesis version is superior and they just made more copies of it. Maybe. Well, if you know, tell us why, you know, add us on Twitter or Facebook or something and, you know, tell us why the uh, Super Nintendo version is so much more and we'll look up. That information on our side, I guess. That's just that's crazy, man. I wish we kind of maybe more at that people just are actively buying it for Super Nintendo. Like maybe there's not as people many people collecting Genesis. Maybe Genesis. I don't know. No idea. Well, yeah. I mean, Nintendo games in general do go for a little bit more. I mean, we see that with a number of titles that are on both, even if it's like very minimal differences within the games. It's just because that Nintendo power that's on there. Um, and I guess just for whatever reason, people just kind of gravitate towards those games versus their cheaper counterparts on the Genesis, which kind of sucks sometimes because there's a lot of great games on the Genesis. 
Yeah. A lot that aren't on Super Nintendo, and then even some that are superior than Super Nintendo, as we know. Um, and just then all just, those dang buttons. But dude, like, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> the clamshell boxes alone for me are like a huge difference maker. When I decide between do I keep a Super Nintendo game complete in box or do I keep a, uh, a Sega Genesis game complete in box, I generally want to go for the Sega Genesis because I just like the look and feel of that box better than dealing with paper. Yeah. It's going to keep. Yeah. Now, I will say Super Nintendo games look fantastic. You know, as complete yeah. in box, I absolutely love complete in box Super Nintendo games. I got a few, but I don't go actively collecting them. It's a lot more to worry about in the long run, and then you're splitting up like, okay, what's on the shelf, what's on the box shelf. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like complete in box games, unless you're like a solid collector of complete in box, like there's maybe two or three games out there. Like, I would love a complete in box Paper Mario for N64. But honestly, that's stupid. I should just go on Etsy and buy like a reproduction paper box for probably like $10 that'll look brand new and clean and be nice on my shelf. And I never have to pay, you know, a couple hundred dollars or whatever it would cost me to get that. Well, and with Genesis, it's for me, it's easier to make reproduction uh, covers. Yeah. So like I have a reproduction Gunstar Heroes uh, cover that I printed out. That Sparkster one looked really good. Dude, yeah. The Sparkster one looks solid. Like I would much rather just go to Cover Project and print out my own covers and fit it and put it on some nice paper than go out trying to find a pristine, you know. And there's also like secondary clamshell boxes you can buy out there too. Yeah. They're like five bucks a piece. Like I would much rather spend my money in all of that process and get to about $6 worth of everything versus like $70 for a near mint Just copy. one game. Yeah, so dumb. So, uh, I mean, and not to say anything against people that collect it, cool and kudos no, yeah. if you collect it, but like, I just don't see the value in that. Uh, all right. Well, dude, fun episode. Uh, I don't know what we're going to play next week. We never know what we're going to play the following week. Uh, we'll take a look at the collection and get back to you all at the beginning of next week's episode, episode 195. But all of that said, this has been episode 194 of the Game of Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.